that guy. He's so good. I love that line too. How do I get that goodness in me? How's that going to happen? How do I get done? Listen, if we're honest with ourselves, that clip has more to do with our spiritual walk with God than we'd probably like to admit. Seriously. We're going to be answering that question today. How do I get the good stuff of God into my life? How do I get that done? You know, are there directions for that? Probably more than three steps. How do I get it done? How do I get it into my life? And uh, so we're going to be looking at that today. God has given us a ton of amazing, great promises. I mean, His Word is chock full of all these promises that He's given us. And as followers of Christ, if you are in Christ, remember the first week we talked about this in the series, that we are spiritual millionaires. Remember the picture of Uncle Scrooge Mick Duck, Uncle Scrooge Mick Duck, swimming through the millions. You know, the, we are millionaires in God. All the, the blessings and the promises He has given to us, we get access to all of that. So how do we get that into our life? How does that goodness get into us? That's what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, it all starts with that word, goodness. And so, uh, that's the topic, and uh, how we get everything that God has for us, all the good stuff, everything that He has given to us into our life. So here's what I'd like you to do, is uh, take out your programs, dead serious. There's a lot that we're going to cover today. You're going to want to walk away with some, I think, and, and go ahead this week and process for yourself, and I'm going to give you some, some thoughts to write down, so just capture that, and, and then continue the conversation with you and God this week, and kind of dive in. So, so grab your program, there's a lot to consider, and here's the first one, unwrap the Pop-Tart. No, the, the first one is we're, we're going we're gonna to back up and we're going to recap for a second. I'll give you some notes here in a second. Here's a recap, though, of where we've been in this, uh, in this series, Everything You Need. So if you missed it in the last two weeks, um, really, really, really want to encourage you to, to download the podcast for the first two weeks. Get a CD. They're free. Go out into the, the lobby. Grab that. You can hit our website and you can just click play on the website if you don't do podcasts or all that stuff. You can just get it. And listen to the first two messages because they are foundational. We're going to go for another seven weeks after this. And all of this seven weeks is, is contingent on, on us understanding this foundation of the first two messages. So make sure you don't miss out on that. Get up to speed. But here's a quick recap. We're going we're gonna to recap through Second Peter chapter 1. So I'm going to throw it on the screen here. I know we've talked through this, but we're going to keep reading it. Just get it into us. Get all this into us week after week after week. So here it is. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ has received a faith as precious as ours. We talked about that the first week, that we receive a faith from God. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Everything that you and I need, everything has been given to you if you are in Christ. Verse 4, through these things He has given us His very great and precious promises that through them you may participate, great word, participate in what? The divine nature and escape the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. We're going to stop there really quickly. So Peter is saying that you and I, and this is the recap, you and I have everything that we need. 
Everything for life and godliness, it's all ours. That means all grace, all empowerment, all all peace for your hearts, for your soul, every great and precious promise, everything is yours. It's, It's laying on the table. It's like this banquet feast. It's all yours. Come and get it. It's yours, Peter is saying. Even, and he points out two things, even sharing in the divine nature of God. And what we said that was is the character of God, his qualities. And, and we call those the fruits of the Spirit, what the Spirit uh, produces in us love and joy and peace. We get all that, and patience, and we get self control, and so on. We get that divine nature so that we can escape the corruption of this life. In other words, we get to escape the things through Jesus Christ, we get to escape the things that eat away in terror. And our souls, and just like wear a hole in our souls, we get a chance to escape that and live a full, productive life. That's what Peter says is available to you. And, and he says it's available in, and I love this word, we talked about it, in abundance. Remember that? In abundance, like all of it, it's yours, like tons of it. Just not what you need, just a little, it's all yours. So let me ask you, is there anyone here hungry for that? Yeah, like I want that. That's what was so amazing about this passage as we started looking at it. We're like, oh, seriously, everything you need? And then he goes down and he starts listing all of them. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in. If, if this is what it takes to have everything in life, I'm in. Count me in. So that's what we did for the first couple weeks of this series. We pointed to knowing God first is really how you get all that. Everything you need comes through knowing him, which means that you and I receive a relationship with him. We place our faith in him. We engage with him. He engages with us. We find ourselves in this relationship, growing, loving each other, living together. I am in, in him. I know him. And we've been throwing these gears up every week. I won't show you how they come together. We're really proud of that, but <laughs> you've seen it. But this, this idea of the gears come together, right? So God is spinning, and I engage with him, and my life starts to move. It's his power his power in my life. It's him moving me. He gives me the ability to live. Everything I need. Through who? Myself? No. Through God. I engage with God. I get it all. And then last week, Dave built on that. Still recapping. Dave built on that. And he said, so if that's the case, if you get everything you need, then go for it. Be all in. <laughs> like, why would I not be all in? I'll just kind of show up. No, don't, don't show it. Do it. Go for it. If I'm a spiritual millionaire, if I get this inheritance that's off the chart, why would I not engage in that? Go for it. Give it all you've got. Everything he needs is everything that my heart needs. Everything he gives me is everything that I need. So look it back at verse 5, because now we're turning a corner here. Those were the first two weeks. Knowing him, you've got to know God. Second, you've got to go for it. Engage with him. Engage your life with him, his power moving your life. And here's how you start that engagement. Here's how you get everything you need. Peter says this. This is what engaging looks like. Verse 5. For that very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. God has given us a faith. He says, add to your faith then these things. What's the first one? Goodness. He says, you want to engage everything that you need for life? Everything, this, this relationship with God? 
Put goodness in your life. And then he goes on. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Do you see the next seven weeks here? We're going to go through and talk about each one of those things. Then he says, add, 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 add. Verse 8. For if you possess, if these qualities are in you in increasing measure. Right? Dave talked about that last week. It doesn't mean we have to be absolutely perfect. We're increasing in it. You don't go to the gymnasium once, right? I'm totally in shape. Half hour. Sweet. Why is it so hard? Right? You don't do that. You have to go and go and go and go. Increasing. Increasing measure. If you have these qualities increasing measure, verse 8, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you add these seven things to your life, you will be the opposite of that. You're going to be effective. You're going to be productive. And the opposite is true too. If I don't add these things, if I just kind of sit back and you know, put God on the shelf, don't really engage and just like, dude, got my fire insurance, I'm good to go. If I just do that, then I'm going to be ineffective. I'm going to be unproductive. Right? My clutch is in. I'm just idling. My gears aren't engaging. There's no power. I'm disengaged, which means I'm not producing any fruit. Nothing's happening. I'm ineffective. Peter says, no. Engage. Engage with God. Know God. You want everything God has for you? Add these seven things. Add them. And it starts with goodness. Add the goodness. And that's just goodness is just one of the ways that you and I can have everything we need for life. Everything in this life. In other words, the, the door cracks open on everything we need. When we add this goodness... We become effective and productive in our relationship with God as this grows in us, as we engage and he grows into our life. We have everything that we need. So let's ask the first question here, and this is where you may want to scribble down some stuff. The first question is, so what is goodness then? (laughs) How do I get that goodness into me? How do I get that done, right, into my belly? How do I put that stuff into my life and get it done? And, And how do I measure that? Because if I were to ask you, would you say you're good? He'd be like, well, I'm certainly not going to admit that I'm bad, right? I'm, you know, I'm good. Compared to you, I'm good, right? Right? We just start putting up this measure like, you know, I haven't killed anybody in the last 10 minutes. I'm pretty good. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm, doing, I'm doing these things. I'm okay. I'm good. How do we measure that? What is, what is goodness? Based off of what? So Paul, Paul says, add goodness to your faith. What does he mean by that? Well, we've got to take a look at this word goodness, because I think we mean, I think we think it means one thing, but really the definition of how they're using it here is completely different than how you and I actually use it. So goodness really could be translated here in the scripture as moral excellence. Moral excellence. So something is very, very, very excellent, and it's morally right. It's virtuous. It's morally excellent. And and there's there's an element in there of this definition that we see in the scripture as praise. Worthiness. So if you look back in the Old Testament and you start going through uh, some of the scripture there, especially in Isaiah, Isaiah uses this word as praise. He says, Yahweh, you are praiseworthy. What's he saying? You're excellent. God, you're excellent. You're off the chart. You're amazing. You're praiseworthy. So the Greeks take this word and they expand upon it. And their basis is that, <coughs> excuse me, is that goodness means that, that someone or something, like an object, is, is, is fulfilling its purpose. That's what they mean by this phrase, is that someone in their life 
or something is, a, is fulfilling its, its task, its purpose in life, its design. It's being used in the most excellent way. I just can't help but thinking of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, right? Is everybody thinking that? And we named it that. We didn't even mean that. Like today's title is The Excellent Adventure. I'm like, oh, Bill and Ted, right? So it's, how do you have an excellent adventure? You put the goodness into your life. Excellence, goodness, is when something is being used the way it was designed to be used. In other words, are you doing what you were made to do? What is it that you were supposed to do? What is it that your purpose is as a follower of Christ? If you're doing that, that's goodness. Like you are doing excellent. Your design is being fulfilled. Does that make sense? Like you're going for it. You're engaging in what the purpose of your life is all about. See, goodness is more than just doing good stuff. There's a lot of people that do good stuff. Goodness in the scripture has to do with fulfilling a design. So let me put it this way. <coughs> you don't know, but I just swallowed an insect. <laughs> it came and flew in. <coughs> it hasn't happened since seventh grade in choir. Um, I seriously, I had this long note and it just flew straight in. So this, this past week, um, actually a couple weeks ago, my fence blew down in a horrible, horrible storm, right? These storms come through Draper, like this freight train. My house just kind of goes, and I can feel my house going, get ready, you know, and this, this, this wind comes and it blew down the section of my fence. And uh, so I just kind of let it lay there for a while. <laughs> then I went out there and I heave-hoved it up and I propped it up with sticks and stuff, you know, and I thought that wasn't probably a good fix. So I actually got to it this last week. And uh, I demolished the whole thing, and, and so I got to replace the post because it snapped off. Dude, you're the man. Thanks. It snapped off at the post. At the bottom of the post, it snapped off. So you know how to fix that. You dig out the whole entire cement plug, right? So I'm digging, and I'm digging, and I'm digging. Like, for two hours, I'm digging. This thing, I reveal this plug. It's like the size of my Camry. And I'm like, somebody was really aggressive. I know what happened. They, pro- they didn't do this in a wheelbarrow. They, they happened to have a cement trunk go by, and they're like, just put it in there. I don't want this fence going anywhere. And then they sold the house to me. And so this plug is sitting down in there. And, and, and so like two hours into it, I'm like, man, if I even get this thing exposed, there's no way I'm getting it out of there, you know? Like all the girls in my family, which is a lot of girls, could not even help me get this out of here. I can invite all of you over. We would not move this thing. It was huge. It was ginormous, you know? And uh, so I just kind of left it in there. I'm like, okay, here's what I'm thinking. Thinking here, I'm like, what I should do is just go ahead and, and drill some holes in it, right? Drill some holes, put in a steel plate or such, and, and then just go ahead and put a post in that and just cover it up and just sell the house to somebody else. <laughs> Let's talk if you're looking for a house, right? And so, and so that's what I did. But I didn't have the right tool. And so I called my friend Jason. Jason, are you here? Oh, yeah, he's in the back. Do you remember Jason? He's the guy that helped me get spiritual traction with the 4 by 4 Kind of drove up picking his nails, right? Like, hey, jump in. Remember him a couple weeks ago? Well, Jason, I call him up. He's like, you need a, you need a better tool. So here's what he got. I went over to his house, and he, uh, he handed me this. Oh, yeah, baby. Let me introduce you to the DeWalt D25650X Spleen Rotary Hammer. This thing has got 11.5 volts. It, it, it does about 280 rotations per minute. Eight pounds of torque go down 280 times a minute. 
Are you tracking with me? This is like cool. This is dripping testosterone. It's not even... It, it's dirty. That makes it better. If this was clean, I'd be like, I don't know if it works. I don't want it. Right? But it's so good. I took this out. He gave me like three drills, I think. I didn't even look at the first two. I went straight for this one. I'm like, yeah, baby. And uh, so I put on my, my goggles and I, and I put it down. Should I do it? Yes. What, what are they going to get me? They're not going to run up here. And uh, so I put on my goggles and I, and I leaned into it. I turned this around and I just started leaning into this thing. And guess what I found out? It cuts like butter. It is amazing. Amazing. I thought I was going to be at this for a while. And seriously, I think I was 30 seconds per hole. And I went down like, like 12 inches. I'm like, yeah. I did another one. I only needed four and I did six. And I kept going. I'm dead serious. I didn't admit that to anybody for 40 days. Don't tell anybody. And so I kept drilling and drilling. And I'm like... Yeah, I come up for air, and I'm like looking around for more cement. I'm like, yeah, I'm going out to the driveway, right? <laughs> and as I got done and the dust settled, my wife from the second story window of our house goes, you the man! <laughs> and my kids come out, and they have flowers, and they're skipping out. They're like, Dad, you're our hero. <laughs> my neighbor's on his deck, and he's like, yeah, well done. That was happening in my mind. Uh, no, <laughs> nobody saw it. Nobody saw any of that. I will tell you the, the, the truth of what happened is, is I got done and I looked at this thing and I went, oh yes, I will have one. I will buy this. It's fantastic. Listen, that, that, that tool right there, that is the epitome, believe it or not, of what Peter is saying. <laughs> he is saying perfect and excellent and, and, and exactly supremely designed for what it is you need to do. So this not only fulfills my tool fantasies, but it actually got the job done. And when you and I are living in goodness, when we are engaging God in goodness, we are accomplishing what God has purposed us to do. Flawlessly walking with Him, walking in His will, engaging with Him. We're at our best when we engage the goodness of God, oh, and people stand back, God mainly go, you the man, you're doing exactly what I designed you to do. So are you and I doing that? Are you engaging the goodness of God? Peter says, you want it all? Engage his goodness. Get, add that to your faith. Add that to what you've already got and continue to track along in the goodness of of God, His nature within you, His character within you, these divine qualities that God brings goodness into your life so that it's Him and me and me and Him and we're doing this together and excellence comes out of my life because I'm fulfilling my purpose, what He's asked me to do. I'm living in His goodness. Isn't that great? It's a good picture. Because at the root of all of this, and here's the second thing I want to explore, is that God ultimately is good. So if God is good, then it means that I am good. At the core of him, that's his essence. Look at this. I'm going to bust through these super, super fast. First Chronicles 16.34. I'm actually not going to do any commentary here. I'm just going to read through these, these verses. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 34, 8, taste and see. Ooh, isn't that good? Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good. His, his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The Bible goes on and on and on in countless passages and scriptures to tell of God's goodness for us. That, 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 more of them. It says that, that God gives good gifts. Good gifts is what he gives. And, and he loves to do that. And not only does he give good, good gifts, he gives every, the scripture says, good gift. You got a good gift? It comes from God. Every good gift comes from him. And, and, and the scripture goes on to say that God's will is perfect. It's pleasing. It's, it's good. And that God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, Romans 8. And that, that really being in him completely fulfills the ultimate purpose and that God is the only being that can fulfill his ultimate purpose. And so when we connect our life to him, we then are able to fulfill our purpose because it's his goodness in us. So then, if God is good, then you and I have got, through placing our faith in him, to let his goodness into me. If I am in God, then that means that his goodness is in me. I've got to let that in. His divine qualities have to take over my life. They have to become part of who I am. That is true virtue. <laughs> that is moral excellence. That is him shining through the life of Andy. That's him shining through the life of you when I engage and I start to let his goodness into my life, start to define, or define who I am. See, it's not simply, it's not this, it's not just simply polishing up my human nature, right? Just kind of polishing the exterior of who I am or polishing the good stuff I do or, you know, putting a little extra in or, or doing a little extra effort or volunteering here or doing that or Habitat for Humanity or all these things. All those things are great. Nothing wrong with that stuff. That's not what goodness is. Goodness is, is his qualities become my qualities. His goodness is now inside of me. It takes over. It's him in me so that I can then declare, ha ha, I now have God's goodness in me. I'm adopting his character because I was made for this. So this past week, this is a great week. I got to use great big drills. We got a lot of stuff done at the house. We had a little time off and we had a major mile marker. Against her wishes, Bailey learned how to ride a bike this week. And uh, I'm not normally this forceful, but I'm like, honey, you're getting on a bike. I don't care if you cry. Wheels are off. Go. You know, she's like, ah. And so, and I'm like, oh, man, I don't know how long this is going to take. And uh, I'm, I'm envisioning in my mind running up and down like, like, like 10, 15, 20, half a day, two days up and down the block, back and forth, holding on to her. And it's a great privilege, right? But it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work because I know there's going to be blood involved. And there might be some guts, there might be falling down, there might be broken things, there's repairs on the bike and on my child, you know, and, and all these things. I know this is probably going to happen. And so we run up the block once, I'm holding on to her, doing pretty good. Run back, really good. Third time we run up the block again, fourth time we run back, I'm not holding on. Four passes, really three passes with me holding and for the rest of the day, she rode by herself. And she's not doing this. She was like, what up, sucker? You know, and she's like going for it. Seriously. And she's like, hey, check this out. Figure eight. I'm like, whoa, what's that? Two hours later, she's going off of curbs. I'm like, 
That's amazing. That's amazing. And I won't, I'm not going to forget this. She blazes past me. And at the top of her lungs, she yells, I'm good at this! You know, and she's gone. <laughs> it's like, I'm created for this right here. I found my purpose. This is it. The next day, we go on a four-mile bike ride, three-mile bike ride, something like that. It was amazing. That's exactly what I'm thinking here, is that when I get God's goodness in me, it's like, ah, oh, I was made for this. This is what it is. I'm made for His goodness to be a part of my character. And not only is it just a part of me, but His goodness starts to transform me. Look at this in Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. For the grace of God, for it's the grace of God that brings salvation. Oh, I totally butchered that. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, which is the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us, from all wit, wickedness and to purify himself uh, for, for a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Here's the point, is that once you and I receive the grace from God, as it says here in Titus, once, once we are recipients of that, it's God, God teaches us to say, no, no way, no. Part of goodness is saying, no, I am not going to participate in those things. I'm not going to participate in the things that go against God's way. What did he call them here? Ungodliness or, or worldly passions or indulgent lifestyle. I'm not going to participate in those things. Part of being good, him and me, is saying, no, I'm not going to do it. Why? How do I do that? Because Jesus redeemed me, is what it says here in verse 14. It was Jesus who gave me the ability, the redemption, the goodness. It was all from him. He gave it to me so I could do this, so that his grace penetrates my heart. So it's not just Andy Marshall trying to just be good. I just have to say no. That's what the campaign said, right? Just say no. It's not just me trying to do it. It's God in me. It's him penetrating my heart. It's the grace. It's the grace that saves me. And now it's that grace that continues to work within me. Psalms 25, verse 8, says, Good and upright is the Lord. Good and upright in the Lord is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble into what is right and teaches them his ways. See, the grace of God is just not simply saying no. That's where it starts. But he guides us through his Holy Spirit into goodness. He instructs us. Saying no is one step, but moving and growing and abiding in that and continuing with ever-increasing is a desire to chase down goodness, a desire to chase down his character that I want to live out. That's what Peter's saying here in 2 Peter chapter 1. He's saying, add goodness then. Add God's character. Add his goodness, his moral excellence to your faith. And that goodness is found in connecting your life with God through knowing him and, and, and that when I engage him, he starts to take over my life. And he starts to produce this goodness. And this goodness, in return, is the key to everything that I need. It's one of, the, one of the seven steps that he says here to everything that you need. It starts with this. But here's a conflict that we have to just quickly deal with. <laughs> oh, and you just knew there was going to be a conflict in all this mess, didn't you? The conflict is this. 
that I am immoral, uh, just uh, filled with immorality and sin. And, and, and that because of that, because of my sin nature, then I'm in conflict with this God who's good. Oh, do you feel the conflict here? Oh, I want, I want God's goodness. I want his character. But I'm, I'm filled with, with this nature that just screams that I don't want to do it. I'm designed to live in God's good, goodness, to be excellent for him. But I'm fighting against the very thing that sins. It's like Addie. Man, I went to Addie. She's my eight-year-old. And, and she totally just punched Bailey in the face. She totally did. She's just like, boom. And Bailey's like, woo. You know, totally down, crying. There's mayhem that ensues. I'm like, to your room. You know, and then I follow her up there. And I, and I sit her down. I'm like, Addie, what, what is up? You just can't go around clocking people in the face. What is it? She goes, I don't want to be bad. I just cannot help it. <laughs> and I'm like, honey, yeah, this is a good time. Turn to Second Peter. Let's talk through this, right? I just can't help it. There's this conflict. My heart wants to be good. My flesh longs to sin. <laughs> Constant battle back and forth and back and forth. Well, here's the conflict in, in 1 John chapter 1. Here's how it's uh, uh, described by John. Starting in verse 5. This is the message that we've heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Here comes the first conflict. If we claim to have fellowship with him, if we're engaging with him, if we claim to engage with God, yet we walk in the darkness, oh, we lie. We lie, and the truth isn't in us. So I can't claim to have a relationship with God. I can't claim to be walking with him and then have uh, walking in darkness. It's, it's incongruent. It doesn't work. So I can't... I can't have that compatibility there. Fellowship is really, really knowing God. And if I claim to really, really know God, and yet I'm, I'm comfortable living in this darkness over here and I'm totally cool with it, it's not true, John says. It's not. You're just fooling yourself. You're a liar. That's not, it's, it's not congruent. It doesn't work. Then he goes on in verse 8 to say, kind of the, the more conflict here, if we claim to be without sin, oh, so I just claim that I don't sin at all. I'm just perfect. If I claim to be without sin... Oh, there's more bad news here. Then, then I'm deceiving myself, and the truth isn't in me. So if I declare that, that I'm completely perfect, I'm a liar. The truth isn't in me. There's conflict. We're riddled with this conflict all over the place. My sin is a complete conflict with God's goodness. It doesn't work. And I believe this is why Peter brought up goodness as the first one of the seven things that he says here. He goes, your nature has to submit to God's nature, your flesh nature, because your true nature, your true purpose, your true excellence is found in the excellence of God. So submit to his goodness. What Peter is really kind of subtly pointing out here is that you and I, we're not made to live in sin. We weren't made to live in that. We weren't made to live selfishly. For ourselves, you know, we weren't, we weren't made to be a slave to these things. We were designed to engage God and bask in His goodness and His character. And when I submit to that, then I start to engage His goodness. And remember, ever, ever increasingly, right? Because can I be absolutely perfect? No, I can't. I can't be perfect. I can't. Not in this lifetime. I can't be perfect. But I continue to engage and I step out into the light and I step back to God and I continue to engage His goodness ever increasingly in His goodness. 
So here's the key. Here's the key to getting goodness into our life. This is it right here. John says, he goes on in verse 9. Great, famous verse here. 1 John 1, 9, he says this. If we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What's the key? The key to, to coming back into line is confession. I spent a little bit of time in prayer with, with Jimmy Page and, and Meg Travers before we started today, and, and, and Jimmy just said it this way. You know what that is, what confession is? I just love this picture, Jimmy. Thank you. It's cranking the wheel and turning that rudder so I'm turning back into God's way. It's him convicting me, me confessing to him and turning back into his way, correcting the course, moving out of darkness, back into the light so that I can receive his goodness. That's what confession is. It's really just going before God and saying, God, these are the areas in my life that aren't good. These, these are the things that aren't goodness. These aren't the things that, these are the things rather that aren't excellent. I'm confessing to you that here's my junk. Here's the stuff that drives me off course from you. I'm revealing to you, God, like that's what confession is. I'm revealing to you the things that are literally eating my soul up. That, that I try to contain and try to hide and kind of hover over, put a tarp over it. And, and yet they keep sneaking out. And I can't fully engage with you, God, because I got all this stuff over here that isn't you. It's not goodness. And so I confess that and I agree with him. Sometimes I don't want to deal with that, though, and I just like to sh- blame shift, you know? Blame other people, deny that that stuff actually happened so I don't have to confess it. As if, like, if we don't bring it up, like, God doesn't know. Like, if I don't bring it up in prayer, maybe he won't know. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but we do that. We do that all the time. It reminds me of this little kid. Uh, my mom spent, like, 12 years in uh, education. She was, like, a uh, principal of this preschool, and uh, <laughs> she had this, this, this little guy. He was a, a preschooler guy, and he came into her office one day, and he's just crying. He's just sobbing, like, just broken. And she's like, what is the matter? And he looks at her and he goes, somebody peed my pants, right? (laughs) And she's like, oh, that's horrible. He's like, I don't know when it happened or who did it. And and she's like, oh, well, let's take care of that, right? We do that with our sin, too. Somebody did that. Confession. (laughs) Should I use that in second service? I don't know. Was that that funny? (laughs) It was kind of borderline. I didn't know. In our sin, what 1 John 1, 9 is saying is we take this sin and we bring it out into the light. We say, I don't live in the darkness anymore, God. I confess it to you. I give it to you. And that's the only way to correct that rudder, to get back into God's goodness. And he says in verse 9 that he stands ready to forgive you, to lavish upon you grace. To, 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 to purify you from all that junk. And, and what results then is freedom. The ability to live in everything that he has designed us for. To, to live excellently. So that you're like this tool here that, that when God looks at you, he goes, oh man, that is accomplishing exactly what I designed it for. Not messing around in the darkness. I confess that. And I engage with what God is asking me to do. His goodness. His qualities. I'm not pushing in the clutch and just idling and disengaging, just letting this sin fester. I'm engaging with Him. I'm moving 
you might be asking yourself, like, when you look at your life, you may ask sometimes, why, why don't I have all this grace and abundance that's talked about? And, and why don't I have all this peace just overflowing? Or you may ask it like this, like why, like, why don't I feel like I have everything for this life that I need? Like, I feel like there's big gaping holes spiritually. If you're asking those questions, my guess would be is that you might have a foot into the darkness somewhere. That there is some sin, something in your life that is blocking that, that is pushing on the rudder and steering you away from God's goodness. And the key to engaging God's goodness is confession. And when I confess, when I admit, bam, boom, I engage with him. My life is full of his power. Gears are moving together. Reconciliation takes over. Forgiveness takes over. I am in him. He is in me. We are fellowshipping together. Here's the last thing. That when we do that and when we look at goodness, what does that practically look like in our lives? What does his goodness really, really look like tomorrow morning as you hit the office, as you go back to school, as you are waking up the family and making breakfast? What does that look like? How do you know if God's goodness is taking over? One of the things we know is we just look at, at, at God and his character. We look at how he, what he looks like, his goodness, and then we respond to that. Take a look really quickly. It's just one chapter later in 1 John. He builds on this, and he says, this is what goodness looks like. Starting in verse 3, we know that we've come to know him. Ha-ha. <laughs> See, that's that whole thing Second Peter's talking about. You know that you know him if you, there's a key word there, what is it? Obey his commands. Verse 4, the man who says, I, I, I know him, but doesn't do what he commands, well, he's a liar. See, John is repeating himself here. He says, yeah, he's a liar, and the truth isn't in him. Verse 5, but if anyone obeys his word... So you obey his commands, you obey his word. Aha, then God's love is truly made complete in him. And this is how we know we're in him. This is how you know him. This is how you know you're engaged, is if you're obeying what God has for you. Verse 6, and whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walks. I know him, I engage him, and then I add to my faith goodness, which means I walk as Jesus walks. I do what God does. His characters start to become part of my characters. I intentionally engage what his heart bleeds for. I practically do what I see God doing. I I engage where I see him engaging in my world around me, my domain in which I live. My heart starts breaking for the things that God's heart breaks for. So let me ask you this question as we close here. When you think about God, when when you think about the goodness of God, with a knee-jerk reaction, the goodness of God for what he is to you or maybe what he's done for you, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Do you have it? Was that love? Some of you may say that. When I think of God's goodness, I think of his incredible, deep, compelling love for me. His grace that, that even though I don't deserve it and no one else gives me value and, and, and people dog me, and this, there's a God who loves me and a God who gives me incredible grace, who forgives my junk, all the stuff that I got hiding and I bring out of the light and he goes, done, freedom. 
Freedom, it's all yours. He is a God of love. He is a God of grace, miraculous grace that he extends. Some of you may be thinking, too, because this is another big theme in the scripture, that God is a giving God, right? It says all throughout scripture that he gives, he gives. That's one of the reasons why he's so good. He gives abundantly. Just be, he's crazy with his giving to us. And we are the recipients of that, those gifts. We experience his goodness that way. He gives what no one else can give. Some of you just, maybe God is a caring God. Maybe God is a, is, is, is a, a God who walks with you. Maybe God is a, a God who's compassionate for you. Maybe, maybe he's, he's so many different things that came into your mind, right? And your life is impacted through his goodness. So what Peter is saying here is that when you, in, in, in agreeing with John, when you and I obey his commands and obey his word, and we add goodness, God's goodness, not ours, God's goodness to our faith, and we engage his character, him in me and me in him, then his goodness starts to show up in my life. And I start extending that grace to other people because he's extended it to me. And I start loving other people because I've been the recipient of the most incredible love of the maker this creator king who loves me, who sees value in me, and I'm compelled to want to love other people. The compassion starts welling up inside of me. I start to exhibit that in my life, not because I feel like I have to or because I have to earn God's love. No, because all of his love has been given to me. His goodness has affected my life, and so I'm compelled to do it. And rather seeing someone in need and just saying, whoa, hope that works out to you, that's not good. I start to engage with the people around me because it's God's goodness flowing through me because I am transformed. The result of a changed heart because I've experienced the goodness of God. It's not on the screen, but then Peter says, if you add goodness to your faith in increasing measure, it leads to effectiveness and a productive life in Christ. And that opens up the door for everything that I need. Isn't that beautiful? The band's going to come up. We're going to spend some time in worship. And as we turn this corner to, to really come before the throne of God, we have got to grapple then with verse 9 of 1 John 1. We've got to grapple with it, with this darkness over here, with the, 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 the rudder that's been leaned on by our, our sinful flesh, the things that have caused us to depart from His goodness. The key to engaging God's goodness is that I confess. Is that I agree with God the things that, that, that are, are derailing me. That I agree with God. God, I'm living with a foot in darkness over here. I'm living, I'm living not in your ways. I'm pretending. And the rest, everybody else thinks I'm good. Everyone else thinks I'm living in light. Everyone else thinks I'm good. But whose goodness is it? It's my goodness because I'm, I'm totally living in the darkness. And I'm pretending that it's not hurting me. I'm pretending that none of this darkness over here, none of this flesh that's controlling me, I'm pretending like it doesn't, doesn't have any control. But the reality is, I'm disengaging from your goodness because I'm in conflict. And John says, you're just fooling yourself. You are at your best when you are living in God's goodness. And that starts with confession. Not this shackling weight of sin around your neck. 
but the freedom of confession. And today as we go into worship, we're actually going to start our time with communion. And what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful act of coming before God and thanking Him and confessing to Him our junk. Because as we remember this time of communion that, that His blood was shed and His body was broken on the cross, that He paid for it all, and He rose again as we just celebrated on this Easter, He has victory over any sin that you have, any ungodliness, any stuff that is bad, anything that is not the goodness of God, He has paid for all of that. Anything that is blocking you from truly engaging the goodness of God. He's already had victory over that. It stands no longer to condemn you. It stands no longer to rob you of God's divine qualities and his character and this life that he has designed for you to live in the full. And so as we go into communion, would you, would you join me Oh, I've been, I've been really looking forward to this time. Would you join me to really do business with God? As the band plays and leads us to come before God and, and to agree with him and say, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need your goodness. I need to be righted again onto your path. Would you forgive me? I don't want to engage in this stuff anymore. I want to engage in your ways. Lord, that your character would flow through my life. Would you do that? Would you forgive me today? The conversation also may include sins of omission. And what we mean by that is maybe, maybe it's not stuff that I've done. Maybe it's not stuff underneath the, the, the tarp that I'm trying to hide. One foot in the darkness, one foot in the light. Maybe it's just stuff that I haven't done. That I'm just kind of going through the motions. I'm acting religious. I'm just kind of showing up. But I'm not engaging God. That is equally sin. To come and confess before him and say, God, I've not trusted you like I, I need to trust you. I haven't invested with you like I need to invest with you. And when you have those conversations, when you drink full of his grace, when you agree with him, then his goodness takes root in your life. <laughs> so that God looks at you and says, well done. Oh, well done. You are excellent. You are supremely designed to live with your hand clutched to the maker. Let's do that. Let's prayerfully confess. Let's go before him and drink full of this grace, which turns into goodness, which turns into everything that I need. In a little while, we're going to take a, an offering to you. We're going to sing. We're going to commune. We're going to take an offering, which is just another way to agree with God that he has given us everything we need. Feel zero pressure on that. If you feel compelled to engage with that, please do. If you're a visitor here, feel no pressure at all. Let's confess. Let's agree with him. Let's engage him.